Did I say because three is a crowd? That's what I'm wondering because you st- <laughs> if you're not going to use the very part, like first part of when we started talking about the, the smoke, I don't think you said it again. Like you definitely didn't say it again after that. But I don't know if you even said it that first time. Shit. You absolutely. We're just going to roll. Okay. We're just going to roll right. with it. I have no idea. I'm sure I did. I don't see a world where I would start without doing it. It feels wrong to do it. After but if you're not going to use that very beginning part where I cut you off and we're talking about smoke, then no. I'll probably use right just right at the beginning. And then when I, because yeah, I'm gonna go into the, and this is out of the window, so I'm gonna use that very yeah, opening with the water and all that stuff I did for sure. O'Reilly stole a stallion, but they caught him and they brought him back, and they laid him down in the jailhouse ground with an iron chain around his neck. When Riley's daughter got a message That her father was going to hang She rode by night and came by morning With gold and silver in her hand Alright, so that was Seven Curses. We spent the week with that, Kelly. Before we start getting into the song and looking all around it, how was your week with Seven Curses? I really like the song. is beautiful. It's great. Beautiful song. I liked it a lot. It's we just, listened to three versions. We listened to the one that's on the bootleg series, volume one through three, which would be the beginning of just two for all the CD heads out there. And yeah, that's right. We're a minority, <laughs> oh but God. we're there. Um, and then we also listened to uh, the Town Hall performance in 1963, which is not available on Spotify or anything, but I do have. And then we also listened to the, the newest one that came out, I guess, if you will, the Whitmark demos, which would have been a little bit before the 63 performance um, of him recording this basically for other people to play. So of those three, I mean, did you have a personal favorite or? I think like the bootleg one, the best. Yeah, that was a studio version yeah. one that could have really ended up on a record. And So this wasn't on anything? This was on nothing, no. Oh. This God is damn just him. recorded, yeah. Why does he do that? I know, it's crazy. Or I guess, why did he do that? Because he probably well, doesn't do it anymore. Uh, I would imagine like he goes in with a plan. Now. I guess we don't know. I mean, because you got to think that after a certain amount of time they might be hoarding some good stuff because the the one of the last one of the best bootleg series is volume 8 Telltale Signs and that was 1989 to 2008. <laughs> so there was enough stuff during those periods that really it almost constituted a brand new Bob Dylan record they were so good <laughs> and it was such a such a great bootleg because it's all brand new stuff but it's still tonally him it's not like listening to because the Whitmark was the next one after but that brought stuff from the 60s so you're not really listening to new bob dylan right you're listening to just kind of a different iteration a different sort of thing but these were basically new songs so yeah i don't i don't know if he still is cutting you know random songs and just kind of playing around with them i don't know i don't know how he operates anymore mm-hmm. so this is a beautiful sad song and it's a bummer that it never made it onto an album but i guess it doesn't matter because everyone has access to this too yeah and it did and when it came out i mean it's certainly was something that people latched onto it's a it's an absolutely Beautiful, beautiful song. I personally think that I'm with you. That is superior than all the rest because uh, it's the right speed. Mm-hmm. Town Hall's too slow. Whitmark is too fast. And this one is just right. It's like the, what is that, the Goldilocks? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's what's going on. So this song was actually recorded on August 6th, 1963 in three takes. And so we got, I think the third take is the one that we got. Um, after he finished on this day, uh, doing Seven Curses, the next song that he performed or recorded was a little song called With God on Our Side. 
So it's yeah. kind of fascinating how we're sort of moving from there to, to that song, which did make it onto um, his next album. It is kind of funny that we have had these um, all these songs off of his albums. You know, we had Talking John Birch Blues, we had Hard Times in New York Town, and then we have this. So, like I said last week, it's weird lament. Like, I really just can't wait to get one of them. Like, with God on our side, a song that ended up on one of his first three proper albums. That will be that'll be a pretty big event, I think, for Sun on the Window. So maybe Lucky 30 will be the one that we get it. So, Kelly, we both really love this song. This song sounds out of this world. Sounds like it's not, like, it's not part of our time. It sounds like it's like an old ballad. Yeah. From somewhere beyond. So we had a good talk about where we thought it was. We both instantly agreed with one another. That it's in the, the West. The, the Wild West. West. The Wild West. <laughs> if you will. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's no doubt. I mean, you got instantly. cowboys. You yeah. got like provincial Horse judges feet. who are like, you know, it's we're like in a Deadwood town. We're in Deadwood. You know, we don't have a, a, an official structure, but we're dealing with like the authority on hand. And we'll get more into the judges and all that kind of stuff later. But it is funny that we both, and again, it's probably an American thing. We just gravitated right to the Wild West, not modern West, not a different time in the West, but like we're not anywhere very in Europe. specifically. <laughs> yeah, and so and that's what was funny about this because while we see lone one horse towns. Um, the rest of the world and other reviewers saw, like, feudal Britain. <laughs> or, in the case of, we're going to talk about Judy Collins, Hungary, uh, right before Bob Dylan released Seven Curses, had a song out called Anathea. Anathea. Who knows? Anathea, I think is what we're going to say. We put that on our playlist so you can have the joy of listening to it. It's a pretty cool song. I can definitely see what was going on here. Now, according to Michael Gray uh, and Clinton Highland, which are the two sources that I kind of used for this, Dylan was sort of adapting by, – by Dylan adapting, Judy Collins had adapted a central European folk legend uh, concerning a judge who seduces a young girl by promising to save her father or her brother, in that case, um, from the noose only to break his word. Lies Lithia, stole a stallion, stole him from the And they chased him and they caught him And in iron chains they bound him Word was brought to Anathea That her brother was in prison Bring me I think what makes Anathea so very different than Seven Curses is that you can tell with that song exactly where it's set. So you tell me that that's a Hungarian folk ballad or something like that or a Hungarian tale or something. I understand it. Right off the bat, we're introduced to an Anna. We're introduced to a Laszlo, who I just don't see a Laszlo being in and the yeah, Wild West. Yeah. Who is, there's a famous Laszlo. Sure. Isn't he like on a TV show? Laszlo. There was a Laszlo in Grand Theft Auto who's a radio DJ, yeah. Oh my god, Laszlo. Yeah. God, I love this West Coast vibe. Everybody here is so laid back and lazy. I'm here with a man who gets paid to talk for a living. That's incredible. What a concept. Um, he's called a rapper. Oglock, how are you? Oglock! 
It's OG Loke. OG Loke. You hear me, player? Yes, of course. I hear you. You're only a few feet away, man. Listen, I'm a big fan. I, I love rap, I, I think. I mean, singing songs about yourself. <laughs> That's awesome. H how you living? Straight. Really? Are you really straight? What? So in, in that tale, in Anathea, it's the brother instead of the father right. who's taken. Uh, the, the sister rides out and offers a bushel of gold to the judge. The judge says the same thing. I want you. But in this telling, the, the dad or the brother actually says, like, you're dumb. He's going to totally use you. Don't don't do it. Uh, he has a self-awareness. Whereas the dad in Seven Curses is kind of just like, I can't, I can't imagine him touching you. Like my skin would crawl and all that kind of stuff. Highland says, I tend to prefer the brother's more understanding suspicions, though Dylan's portrayal of the father unquestionably displays its own psychological power, which is kind of true. They're kind of both kind of depends, I guess, on where you are. Like if you don't have a daughter or you don't have a sister or brother, you, know, you might sort of see your own dad in that scenario. But at the end of the song, instead of seven curses, she offers 13 curses. So I'm just going to read off the curses because I do want to kind of compare what the curses are because the curses are kind of intense on seven curses, but kind of tame. But let's see what we think here. Harkin Judge, Judge Ho Horvat. So again, we've named the judge. Bad call. Because <laughs> Horvat, what the fuck? Uh, judge Horvat, may your horse stumble on his feet and you be thrown to the ground. May 13 cartloads of straw rot away in your bed. May you for 13 years lie upon it in cruel illness. May 13 doctors work at dressing your wounds. 13 shelves of drugs be emptied on your account. Indeed, Judge, I wish you well. May your washing water turn to blood, your towel spit flames, and God never bless you. It's pretty intense. Is that 13? No, but I think it was like thir the 13, 13 kept oh, getting. Gotcha. Uh, Judy Collins, Clinton Highland, I think is like flexing a little bit here, in a, in a 1996 email to Clinton, oh. uh, said that, basically confirming that the songs, quote, um, the seven curses are related to Anathea, but there are old themes, world themes, century-old dramas that get worked out in the creative process by artist after artist. I've seen what Dylan has always done is to connect with his inner subterranean river of the subconscious. So, Kelly, let's talk about that subterranean river of unconscious by going deeper into the number seven. Ooh. I can help with that. Ooh. Maybe. Uh, I just took a cursory glance. It's, it's interesting, so I was like, hmm, why is this number seven, like, lucky, right? That's what we commonly associate it with. Yeah, why, or just like seven all over the place. What's up with seven? <laughs> what I found out was nobody really knows, <laughs> but hmm. here we are. Um, so the, the common theory is why seven is a thing or why it became a thing is it used to be the only heavenly bodies, like celestial bodies we could observe, were the sun, the moon, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Um, which is seven, if I did that right, and they they got they made those their deities, right? Yeah. The Ro ancient Romans slash Greeks first, and then Romans took it over. Whatever, that's what they named it after. So that had some significance. There was also seven Egyptian gods um, that around the same time too, and everything. So we think that it, it we because that was part <laughs> of the discussion. They think that that's that's kind of where the power came from because it had okay. this instant spiritual weight behind it. And that kind of turned into luck or fortune or whatever, right? If only there were several disciples, then Jesus would be cool on this train too. Right? Why well, you got to have 11. But we got What's some up? stuff. Or 12, sorry. Yeah, 12. Is it? 
12 and then... Well, Judas. I mean, do you count Judas? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. We've talked about this on a podcast before. (laughs) So, that kind of... Oh, in Game of Thrones, obviously. The seven. So, that's important. (laughs) Essential. (laughs) There's seven chakras, which is like the Indian thought of where you're... Each of your centers of spiritual power. You got your root, your sacral, solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, and crown. Uh, Pythagoreans, Pythagoreans, which I would imagine are people that follow Pythagorean theories. Pythagoreans, there you go. (laughs) Consider it a perfect number because it's uh, the numbers of the sides of a square and the sides of a triangle put together. Right. Uh, And I guess uh, in Japan, they have seven gods or like... Somewhere in their history, they followed seven gods that were lucky gods that would bring good fortune. The okay. Bible has a thing for seven, too, because there's six days, and then the, the seventh oh, day is the yeah, rest. There course. you go. King Saruman? No, that's the bad King guy. Solomon. The Solomon. There you go. Uh, his temple took seven days to build. Yeah, that's right. There's seven, seven deadly sins, seven seals, right. seven sacraments, seven plagues. Uh, Shiva, which you hold for someone who dies in uh, yeah. Judaism. Last for seven days. The word yeah. Shiva actually apparently means seven. Nice. Uh, seven, we're moving on now. We're moving on from the Bible. Seven is the sum <laughs> of every opposite die face. So, like, oh. on one side of a die, there's a one. On the other side, it's the six. And then on the five oh. and the two. And the others. Uh, yeah. I was like, this doesn't even make any sense. There's six sides of a die. I don't understand what it's. Oh, oh. you're adding the number. Yeah. So, every, yeah, every up to. You roll it to, it's seven. <laughs> no, no, listen. They're all sevens. Every number Every, is th- actually Yeah, this seven. is the opposite of this number is seven. So I got a two. It's a seven. You don't understand. Uh, seven and wonders of the world. At oh, one point, yeah. seven seas, seven continents, seven oh. notes in musical scale, seven colors in the rainbow. I felt like if I dug into this, I would have just been blown away. Like, like numerology. <laughs> oh, no. So many sevens. Uh, it's the only single digit number with two syllables. It's a prime number. In Chinese culture, it symbolizes death. And the seven years bad luck thing with mirrors is apparently because Romans believed that people uh, physically and spiritually regenerate every seven years. And they thought that mirrors were like the key into the reflection of the soul. So wow. if you break a mirror, you're fucked for seven years because <laughs> you can't regenerate, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Seven years war? Sure. There's a, there's a lot of seven shit. But I thought there would be a pretty like clear yeah. answer as to, but why did we pick this and why is it lucky? In the closest thing that anyone – on different sites because I consulted more than one source. <laughs> Whoa. Can you believe it? Uh, the legitimacy of which I cannot be sure of any of them. Uh, but that, that's the only thing they could come up with is that yeah. those were the celestial bodies they could see in the sky. And it all goes down from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have lucky seven. I mean obviously that's it's taken to so many places like – Gambling, especially like seven's a thing. Slot yeah. machines pay you out for sevens. So why don't you tell us about the photo you chose for the booklet this week? Okay, so I was looking for all I do is search the name of the Bob Dylan song and then look for a license-free photo to choose for my book that looks cool. Yes, this one was a painting of a lady with her boobs out at a party with very fancy hats, <laughs> and uh, apparently. The card she's holding is the Nine of Diamonds, which is not the number seven, but it is apparently a card called the Curse of Scotland, which was probably a cool story, but I didn't really look into it. But the picture specifically is of a painting that uh, the woman is playing something called Joan? Pope Joan, 
which nice. was a card game wherein the nine of diamonds was the highest, like the best card you could get. And there was a special board that they used to play it. And uh, that's what the picture's about, I guess. But we'll never know about the Curse of Scotland because this song's about the number seven <laughs> and not the number nine. So joke's on you guys. Way to go. Once we get something with the number nine in it, maybe we'll talk about the Curse of Scotland. I don't think that'll ever happen. So everybody, you're on your own. <laughs> Figure out what the Curse of Scotland <laughs> Have is. Have fun. And Have Pope fun. Joan. Yes. If you're listening to a podcast, I think you know how to navigate to Google. Good luck. Godspeed. Good. There's a whole Wikipedia article about Curse of Scotland that I was going to read and didn't. Let's move on. We should also set up a tournament where we play Pope Joan. Pope Joan. <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> oh, Father, you will surely die If I don't take the chance to try To pay the price and not take your advice For that reason I will have to stay The gallows shadow shook the evening In the night hound obeyed In the night the grounds were groaning In the night the price was paid I really, 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 really love Bob Dylan playing guitar good times in this he plays an open tuning it it does that thing where it takes up all the space and you right, can yeah. hear i mean a lot of people you know writing about it like the words like openness and desolation are prevalent because i i, I can hear that i can see that when he plays those notes it's just like a tumbleweed just wants to roll on by i mean in my version yeah. if i was in L- london i guess like a grass with dew on it floats by right i don't know what happens in london what's their equivalent of a, t- of a tumbleweed oh yeah that's a great question i don't know like a black taxi drives by a surf dying of plague ah that's good there you go sorry that's good yep you can hear the surf dying of plagues <laughs> as he's strumming his uh strumming the guitar totally totally um i not only with the guitar itself is, is amazing but his voice I mean, I could definitely understand everything he said, which is kind of my <laughs> benchmark for craziness. But that's not even a bad thing necessarily, especially um, last week when we did John Wesley Harding. Was that last week? Holy shit. No, that was fourth time around. The one before that. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of songs where he really changes the way he's saying a couple words. And I like that. I don't necessarily need him to be understandable for it to sound good. Um, but this was, was audible and sounded great. It really had a theme. That theme was definitely Wild West theme, and I will fight you if you yes. still think it was. Totally, totally, yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and at the very end, there was no harmonica. There's no harmonica at all. Now, you obviously have the thing for Scarlett Rivera, but Bob Dylan and a harmonica, acoustic guitar Bob Dylan, he still has a place in your heart. Oh, yeah. Are you sad now that you're, you've got one half of the coin, but you didn't get the harmonica? I thought I might have been. And when he brought it up, like, there's no harmonica. This. I was like, Clearly there has to be because I have a fulfilling, <laughs> like, I've been fulfilled by this song and therefore there must be a harmonica. Uh, but there wasn't. And I, it does, it has that big tone to it. Like, it, it yeah. doesn't need anything else. And, and it's, it's so crazy because it's the same thing repeated over and over. It's, I, the words change, obviously, but it's that's the same set of notes that just over. And it's also such a beautiful, a beautiful 
picking. I mean, it oh, sounds flawless. so good, yeah. and the whole thing is just him singing to that. As somebody who plays guitar, I mean, not to that level, but that shit's hard to do that for that long. Oh for my that god, long. perfect every time, and perfect. Whoa, and to do it in three takes. I mean, maybe the other two, who knows what happened? Probably false starts and shit like that. But holy shit, yeah, it's great, fascinating. And to do it live, I mean, I see why he slowed it down almost to you can fix your mistakes and mm-hmm. sort of like he kind of did some weird flourishes, which I really appreciate it. But the flawlessness of him playing it live. I also want to talk about the rhyme scheme. So that's something that I don't often do because Bob doesn't always have to rhyme. He doesn't really do that. There's no chorus in this. He's obviously just sort of telling a story. But I found it fascinating how if we just do a simple like grade school, like rhyme schemes, none of this even matches up. So I'm just going to roll off just the first three verses, just the A, B structure. So it goes A, B, C, D. A, B, C, D. A, B, A, B. And then if we just skip down to another spot here, we go A, B, C, B. But when you listen to it, it sounds all together. It sounds like everything fits. Because when he rhymes something like brought him back with chain around his neck, like the way we just said it is not the way that he sings it. So back rhymes with neck in his world. Uh, and the same thing with hang in hand in the, in the next verse. Go and hang and a gold and silver in her hand. Like I kind of thought he's, he said gold and silver in her hair. Like just kind of the way that he like, hang, yeah. hang. And yet you get the point. Totally. And yet you get the point. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, not only that, but then you have a bunch of internal rhyme where he just starts kind of fucking around completely when he says, and my skin will surely crawl if it if he touches you at all. And he also says, and pay the price and not take your advice. Mm-hmm. So those fuck up the whole rhyme scheme. So good. Yeah. You start doing that and then you've kind of created another, a whole other level. And then at the end, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people end up talking about, but when you go from night to the morning, like you have a whole verse about, you know, the gallows, the gallows shadows shook the evening in the night, the hound dog bayed in the night, the grounds were groaning in the night, the price was paid. And then the morning comes. It's like, you can feel those metaphors become light. And then you get to see in stark reality, just how terrible it all really is. Because Mm -hmm. that description of what happened to her by couching it in that sort of the, the hound dog bayed, the grounds were groaning, the price was paid. That's dark. Yeah. It's a dark way to describe what happened. Well, I mean, she was raped. So she was absolutely appropriate. No, no, absolutely. But I mean, it's just like while you're listening to it, not that you didn't see it coming or whatever, but you kind of maybe thought it was going to go a different way. Somebody else was yeah. going to ride in. Something else was going to change. Something was going to happen. And a lot of people, you know, see it as like. It's almost like the father is the one sort of seeing it like that because mm. he has to probably listen to it and he can't do anything about it. Yeah, so he's like it seeing it like that way too. Like everything he was else within can, earshot and anything else I can like listen to to like get mm. out of this scenario and out of the situation because I know that I'm going to die yeah. and I can't do this. And so it's just terrible. And then when she starts going into the seven curses, you know, it's just like the hymn. It's such a like this song paints a picture um, so vividly. More than other songs where you kind of have to reach for it. You kind of have to let your mind wander, especially something like um, the medieval one that I decided was about. A oh, medieval, I want you. I want you. Yeah. yeah. Where I really had to reach and search for it. This was just right there. Yeah. In its gruesomeness and well, it's sadness. What's a quasi-traditional song? You know, it's like it sounds like it's been around for a billion years. It has not been around right, for a yeah. billion years at all. 
Whereas I want you, yeah, it's 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 funny. Yeah, you almost have to try to – you almost have to – I think geography and place are very important. I think a lot of people want to feel like they can be grounded somewhere. And when you have something like Blonde on Blonde in that time period in specific, it doesn't feel like you're of a place. So you try to put yourself in a place. This feels like wherever you want it to be, which is kind of daunting because it can be feudal England. It can be hungry, but it can also it, – but it, but it feels like it. Whereas I want you doesn't feel like anything really. You could say it's Game of Thrones all you want, mm-hmm. but it really it's not. I like th- that Bob Dylan songs are so open to interpretation. Uh, I feel like this is one of the ones that it isn't for me, and I think that's no. cool in and of itself too. It's like here's deal with this thing. Yeah, like, I agree. With this shitty thing, instead of like now figure out what I'm saying, which is fun. In which we've right. had a lot of those songs. This is not one of them. There, there's no ambiguity it's really and i like that i like the ambiguity because it brings out a lot of creative people and a lot of creative approaches but i also like it when we have something like this because there's no ambiguity so you're dealing with you're almost taking it in a a different direction because now we have something to talk about where we're talking about judges and authority figures and like what does it mean to be a woman in the world what does it mean to be a woman in the wild west if you want to be there what does it mean to be a woman in feudal england the way that bob dylan sings this song is that there's no inflections in his voice. There's no changes in pitch or tone. Mm. So when he sings about these horrible things, he stays focused. The whole thing, all the way through. But Tony Atwood says, quote, There is no bile and no vindictive feeling coming from the singer, for he is still singing the same way, the same song in the same way with the same accompaniment. The emptiness is endless, as it would be in another context. Uh, but instead of repeating him, you know, at the end, save him, heal him, see him, hear him, hide him, bury him, kill him, um, is like watching the hammer come down. And I think that that is that in, in and of itself is a theme, because when we get to the rape, the aftermath of it, and even when she's cursing what's coming, it is still an indictment not only of the judge of the authority, but also the town itself, the people in it who, who bow to this authority, who recognize people like the judge and know that he does that. I mean, the dad understood in the in the folktale, the brother totally understood what the game was. And yet the woman in, in this scenario and in very many scenarios, because it's very much a quasi-traditional song in that it is a traditional sounding song, but it's very much alive today. She didn't have any other way out. And she was pushed into this corner. Yeah, well, that's all she could do is wish horrible things upon the person that did this to her. Yeah. Like, not only to her, but also to her father. Like, yeah. That sucks that her, that's her only recourse is to just wish terrible things on him, but doesn't even have power to, to enact any of that. What is she going to do? Her life's over. Yeah, I, I saw it as, like, it was more cathartic than it was, like, karmic because we didn't get to see the next verse of the song mm. where things definitely went back like to normal. Come, like, because nothing comes to roost. Nothing, exactly. Or it becomes a science fiction show or a... Hey. Where all of a sudden they do come, the curses do end up happening. So we don't get the we don't get the next verse where the judge is hunched over, you know, bleeding his guts out and you know heaving up his organs for what he's done. And I think that's the catharsis comes from her saying it. But unfortunately, it's not karmic. It's not. It doesn't. It's not one of those things. We don't get to cheer the end we get to we watch our hero our would-be hero saving the day get taken down to the dirt it's a bummer but it's so pretty (laughs) it's so it's it's unbelievably pretty yeah and also what was interesting too and i didn't even 
didn't even think about it, but seven verses of injustice brings the the final seven curses. So we have seven verses up until when she gives her her seven curses. So there's seven verses. There's seven verses oh. before then. So oh, nice. again, I don't think Bob Dylan's doing that stuff, but <laughs> yeah, it worked out. Which is really fascinating the way that Bob Dylan has used all of these internal rhymes and then the repetition to create this really gorgeous picture of this town that we have tumbleweeds going through where you can have wherever you want it to be. So I really love it a lot. Oh yeah. Because in the Anathea one, they, they definitely is a lot of uh, medieval medieval. Oh my gosh. Imagery. Even with the gallows thing with this one, it's just like, it's just the hanging tree, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, Growl Marcus noted about the song, he just said, like, that old melody, you know, the feudal British melody that he's playing, turns out to not just be the skeleton of the song, but it's flesh. It carries its own unspoken words, which are, quote, there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah. People just be doing shitty things and killing each other. Killing each other and doing it over and over again. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot at the end of it to feel except for, you know, that you've been through a journey. You know, it's a, it's a great story. It's a bleak, it's a bleak week to have, <laughs> but it's so pretty that yeah. you can, you know you don't. You're, it's never a slog to listen to this song, yeah. but it is tough to really try to grapple with it. She saw that hanging branch bending. She saw her father's body broken. These be seven curses on each edge so cool that one doctor will not save him. That two healers will not heal him, and that three eyes will not see him. That four ears will not hear him. That five walls will not hide him. That six diggers will not bury him, and that seven deaths shall never kill him. All right, Kelly, so we spent the week with Seven Curses. It could be a little bit much at times. It could be pretty, you know, completely beautiful to have at other times. Beyond that, what were you doing this week that uh, that moved you? Uh, the new season of BoJack Horseman came out recently. It did. But I haven't watched season three yet, so I'm watching season three currently. I watched, I watched it in a day. Nice. <laughs> the whole thing. Because um, I'm trying to get to season four so I can watch it because it came out. It's uh, I just watched the Fish World episode, which oh, yeah. was so good. Uh, it's like watching Lost in Translation, but with an animated horse. And uh, watch it, BoJack Horseman. It's funny, but so like endearing and fucked up emotionally. And it's just, it's really good. Well, Diane, you just passed sensible gun legislation. I can't believe this country hates women more than it loves guns. Oh. No? <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, I just basically was just taking videos and putting it on Instagram all night. Nice. Because it was amazing. Oh, and the, the cast is great, too. I mean. Oh, yeah. Will Arnett, Alice Brie, mm-hmm. Paul F. Tompkins. And uh, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Yeah. And a bunch of, like, recurring guest Everyone. stars. yeah. What's oh, his name? Amy Diedrich... Sedaris, yeah. Who? Amy Sedaris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the cat. And then uh, Diedrich Bader plays a character now, too. He's the guy with the ponytail on the that works with the cat lady that Amy Sedaris Oh, plays. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Diedrich Bader, was, he was on uh, Drew Carey Show. Drew Carey Show, yeah. yeah. When I don't want to sleep, I wear my shoes to bed. So my brain thinks I'm going somewhere. Pat 
Oswald. I think it's like three different people. Oh, I'm sure he's like the little he's pig the, doctor and like he is. He's. I think he's also the turtle. The, or, oh, the, the rat, the mouse, or whatever that owns the publishing oh, the, company. He's the penguin. The penguin. 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 Yeah, because yeah, penguin favorite, publishing. Favorite. Okay, yes. right, so right. he's the penguin. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, please definitely go watch that. I want to recommend a couple of things um, that we'll get into at length. I'm sure at, in time. If you've never watched The Room, watch The Room. Oh, my God. The Disaster Artist trailer just dropped it's this week. It's going to be out of this world. Uh, we love The Room a lot. So when that comes up, I think maybe we'll do a special thing about that. Um, I want to recommend one album, uh, Tim Berry's High on 95. Uh, I think we'll probably end up talking about that next week sometime. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Husker Du, a punk band from Minneapolis. Oh, my God. The drummer just passed away. Husker Du. Yeah, Grant Hart just just died oh, today or this week if you're listening to it. So yeah, it was a moment for me to go back and sort of do Zen Arcade and just kind of keep going. They're about to release a huge box set of like all kinds of oddities and stuff from you know the first uh, the first two albums. So be on the lookout for that. I think that's coming in October. And then finally, I want to recommend against me. We're going to talk about we just saw him in Portland. Yeah, it was as transcendental an experience as. It was three years ago seeing them. It was my eighth time doing it, which was crazy. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. So oh, yeah, me too. we're definitely going to be talking about all that stuff uh, on Thursday. For Mixed Up Confusion. For Mixed Up Confusion. It's coming back, baby. What, what, what? what, what? You yeah, know who loves Husker Du? Who? Adam Scott's character from Parks and Rec that I can't remember. Ben Wyatt. Ben Wyatt. Oh, my God. How do you not know his name? Dude, it's a rough day. I'm telling you. I can't. I have all these half references in my head. It's really rough. Why is it so bad? All that matters is, what would you do if someone's at home? Cut all alone on the bedroom floor because it's hungry. And the only way to fit him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money when his dad is gone. So where's my rock now? In and out of lockdown. I ain't got a job now. So for you, this is just a good time. But for me, this is what I call life. So, But I can't remember Ben Wyatt's name. Oh. I'm sad again. Pathetic. City High. Oh, God. What happened to them? Is up. I don't know. These are the things that we need to be on the cutting edge of. (laughs) City High Watch. This is a City High podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Where we just sing that song over and over and over again. Because it's the only one we know. All right, Kelly. Anything you're looking forward to? Any era of Bob Dylan that you're really wanting to see? Desire. Although I am really curious about Blonde on Blonde, uh, Blonde on Blonde. Oh, so you would like to get more Blonde on Blonde? Because I told you I'm I'm weary. I'm very weary of the album. We've had a mixed bag, so that tells me that the album's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I probably will like parts of it, and other parts will be like not for me. But I think Desire is going to be a solid. I'm into this. That's probably situation. true. That's and probably then true. bringing it all back home, maybe. Oh yeah, I mean we've only had Outlaw Blues. Yeah, which is yeah, kind of yeah. wild. Oh. I fucking found out because you took the Joan Baez version of this song off of our playlist. I did. We just can't do that every time. She that's fine. does every song. Yeah, that's fine. But Amnesty International or whatever did a like a special songs of Bob Dylan thing uh-huh. with 30 songs uh-huh. by people. Fucking Queens of the Stone Age covered that song uh-huh. Outlaw Blues. Why didn't we listen to that? I didn't know that. I think we did, actually. It's on the episode. Well, son of a bitch. Or I don't know if we were really doing the playlist. That was episode six. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
But you knew that thing existed. I didn't know that. So many people covered so many oh, of the yeah, songs. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That my was God. a big one. That was for maybe, God, 2008-ish. I mean, yeah, I didn't take it upon myself to listen to any of it. But I just, the fact that it exists and I know it exists is nice. I think so. I was only so indignant because I was like, I love Queens of the Stone Age. And of course they would pick this song. Why haven't you recommended their newest record, Villains? Oh, because I haven't listened to it. Because I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Definitely a piece of shit. All right, Kelly. So we are at uh, 505 songs. Next week is episode 30. Whoa. This does not correlate. If you go back in time and pretend <laughs> like we, we started were, at 600 something. We started at 600 something and yeah. we found a fucking way to bring it down to under 500. Wormhole. Almost. Because we're pieces of shit. <laughs> and we're actually got to do it again soon. So yeah, chop some more stuff out of there. Chop some more stuff out of here. Uh, and not just to chop it off. We don't want to get done with it. We want to do each one justice as much as we can. But sometimes there are ways to do this that are better than just... Well, listening to stubs of songs or non-songs like exactly. King of France, though I love it. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's not really fair. Does It isn't really fair. So, all right. So I've taken seven curses off. Uh, one out of 505. What do we got, Kelly? Oh, my gosh. It's like you forget every time they have to pick a number. Literally say any number. Three. <sighs> All right, three. Seven. <laughs> or nine. <laughs> All right, three would have been uh, pretty cool. It would have been Apple Suckling Tree, take oh. one and two, which is from the basement tapes. Uh, great song, great song. And the number was actually 211. Because oh, three just seems like it would never be three, right? Three just seems like no, right? random.org would never be three. But it, it should be. It should have What were you going to gonna say before point. I. Oh, the number seven is like. Um, if you ask a person to pick an odd number, one through ten, the number seven is the most likely to be chosen. Oh, shit. Yeah. That is a fun fact. Way late in the game. I know. I love it. I love it. Here it is for you. Well, this this is going to be um, this is going to be a rough week. Oh, so no. it is a song called Maybe Someday, which you may in your head be like, oh, I do weirdly know this because on our website, SOTWpod.com, there is a spot called Maybe Someday where we basically throw our links. We have a little Halloween party that we're setting up with every every song that we go through. I put the characters on there right. so you can dress up and do all this stuff. Uh, it's called Maybe Someday. And we're about to listen to Maybe Someday as our 30th yeah. episode. However, this song is on Bob Dylan's probably most reviled album called Knocked Out Loaded, 1986. So we are delving into post-religious Dylan, post Empire Burlesque, him in that funny jacket. Oh, yeah. We're in the Bob Dylan doesn't care about life phase. And this song is going to be terrible. <laughs> cool. Episode 30. Hooray. Maybe someday. We'll see you. Not maybe someday. But next week. Actually, no. We'll see you on Thursday for Mix Up Confusion. That's right. And then we will see you next Monday for maybe someday. Episode 30. Or you can see us on the internet at SOTWpod. I just said that. Oh, yeah. And at SOTW Pod everywhere Tumblr, yeah. Twitter, SoundCloud, yeah. Instagram. Because we're a real podcast. We're definitely a real podcast. Sweet. Well, I'm not excited. I don't think you should be. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.